I'm excited for today, man. This is this is uh, something we've been talking about for a long time. I, uh, Deron, how are you, you feeling about today's topic, man? I'm going to come at you first. I'm loving today's, I'm loving today's topic because we get to talk about the blue people. Like, everyone loves see, the blue people. See, so don't we, do that. I mean, in five seconds in, and Deron's trying to get reactions. Oh my God. See, and I'm here for see, it. See, this, this is why every time we start our cold open, you're always just like, you're always coming at me on the cold opens. It's because you do shit like that. <laughs> that is why. That is why. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the New Block Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Chris, a.k.a. Prince, with the homie Deron, a.k.a. Medic Grizzly. Deron, how you feeling today, bro? I'm doing well, man. How you doing today? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. I, I was I was doing better until you insulted uh, the last Airbender like that, but that's okay. We're gonna get past it. Um, so I didn't mention the movie, and we're not going to mention the movie. That is, this is the only time that we're going to even acknowledge its existence. Okay. But with that being said, listeners, we have another guest uh, on the pod today to talk about. Book one, Water, of Avatar The Last Airbender. Not the blue people, not that god-awful fucking movie, if we can call it that. Um, but the actual anime run that ran on Nickelodeon back in, what, 08, I think it was. Um, so, Mr. Mike, welcome to the pod. Uh, why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Happy to be here. I'm just here to uh, to put Avatar on the map because we got a lot of non-believers out there. Uh, not only people that try to discredit The Last Airbender with James Cameron, which no disrespect to Jimmy, but uh, people that don't put Avatar in the conversation for great stories, great anime, because it was made in America. Like, God forbid, like, America does anything positive. Like, oh, it's not Japanese. Like, all right, listen. Avatar is about that beef. I see both of you smiling now. Listen, it's going to happen. I see Duran. He's going to have a heart attack. I'm going to call Jaquetta. Like, craziness. So I'm just here to make sure we're all on the same page about what it means to be great. The last airbender is where it's at. So, Go ahead, Duran. <laughs> so my question for you, Mike, and I want to like, really ask this question. Why do you love Avatar? Like what's okay. like what's Avatar the main thing. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Avatar starts off as something that you don't want to like. I don't like the main character's design. I resisted Avatar for a long time. You start watching Avatar, it feels childish, and then there's like a subtle switch, and it's just so real. So the soft magic, hard magic systems. It's like okay, very simple. Very cool. Okay, elements. All right, that, that's interesting. Every kid wishes that they could control things. Any kid that saw Star Wars is like, "Do I have the Force? Let me check just in case." Avatars like that. You're like, "Can I mess with water? Can I mess with fire?" Cool. And then out of nowhere, the themes start to transition from this is a child like development show into like, "Oh crap! Like this is real." And that's what most anime does. People that hate on anime as a, an entire, I don't know, genre is not even the right word for it. Like there's all these TikTokers like, are adults really watching anime? And it's like, are you stupid? Like anime hits so many themes. Like, yes, it's animated television. But like, if you think it's like childish because it's animated, these are the same people that go watch Disney movies in theaters. Avatar takes that to another level because it's Nickelodeon, which makes you think, oh, super childish. And then it just sneaks up on you out of nowhere. It starts hitting those heartstrings in ways you didn't know could get hit. 
And then you get some interesting, I mean, like, I don't want to pull out all the themes. We're only talking about book one, but you got religious undertones. You've got ethical undertones. You've got plot development, character development. I mean, it's got everything you need for a great story. So, I mean, why would you not like Avatar? That's the real question. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm. I would echo all those sentiments there, Mike. I think, um, and Deron, we talked about this briefly on our um, top five favorite anime episode a while back. Um, I can't remember if this was in my top five or part of my honorable mentions, but it was definitely. I know we definitely talked about it. I think, I think this is one of the probably one of the most underrated anime that's ever been created, just given all the attention to detail, like when they, in respect to like world building. I mean, even down to how, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like how how relatable like the the fighting styles are for each different type of bending, right? Um, you know, these are based on real life different types of martial arts, right? That that coincide with the 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 elements that they're using and the people who use said elements, right? So there, there's a lot of world world building that goes into just how people bend, right? Like earthbenders, their movements on how they bend earth are completely different than that of a waterbender to that of an airbender to that of a, of a firebender, right? Um, so it's like those little things like rewatching it for, I don't even know how many times I've rewatched the series now, but seeing all that detail, all the exposition really put in in the first couple of episodes and they just like continuously build on that. I think, um, and I was listening to um, someone today talking about Avatar, about like how they really perfected, like the the um, like the scaling of, of of power levels throughout the story, right? I don't know. We're just talking about like book one, but even from you know when Aang first starts learning how to waterbend to when they get to the Northern Water Tribe, like their abilities, like scale up so like so quickly but it, it it makes sense like in the context of the story right and i think i think a lot of that lends to just like the nature of like them having to be on the run constantly and them going from place to place and always kind of having to like improvise right and i think what you get with being able to change the setting every single time it just adds a little bit more to that world building because you're seeing a different village every single time you know team avatar decides to make camp or something like that, right? So you're getting a lot of different perspectives about what's happened in the last hundred years since the Avatar's last been seen um, that I think really gets gets overlooked in this story. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would definitely, like, the thing with Aang, like, Aang's still a kid. I mean, it was in ice. Like some Captain America stuff. Like, it was in ice, a hundred years past, and it shows how, like, the world has grown up, but he has not. So what's the first thing you want to do? He wants to travel the world and do kid stuff and go over here and go over there. It's not really like everyone else's tone is like, oh, there's a real war going on. Like you are the avatar. We need you to get your stuff together and for us to be able to take back and make equality going across. Aang's like, no, I just want to go and do the fish. I want to actually fly and play games. And it's like, it reminds you that it is Nickelodeon. But like you said, Mike, the foreshadowing of how serious it goes with the tone later on is excellent. And as you're a young kid and you're watching this, you really don't gather, you don't understand everything that's happening. But as an adult rewatching this, I appreciate this show more. It's an anime, hands down. I'm not gonna say it's not an anime anymore. It is an anime. Um, it is. It's actually top ten for me. Like I, it's it's top ten. 
Like when you rewatch things as a grown man, like yo, darn, they put that. The writers actually knew, even like the character development, like this showing like the progression. You said Prince about how through, every time you go to a different place, he's setting camp here. There's a lesson being learned. He's still trying to learn to balance and be equal for everyone. Like he's actually the judge, but he's still a kid. So seeing the whole back yin and yang of everything happening there, it was really nice to see in book one the slow roast, the slow pace of it, and not jumping into the end game right away. And to be the Avatar historian on this podcast, um, to echo uh, Prince's point, so this is like early 2000s that the two creators, the primary creators, did this. If you watch the bonus features on any of the seasons, but especially season one, all of the fights are choreographed with actual martial artists. And they picked specific styles of martial arts for each style of bending as you're already alluding to. So you can watch like some of the fights they'll put side by side with the animated fight and the people on the blue mats doing it in real life. And they tried to style these things. Not only that, but they're also picking each cultural uh, value for each of those four tribes um, or four elements rather uh, to help categorize like what's actually happening. They're trying to highlight, this is one of the, the, the movie that shan't be ma- named. Like they whitewashed so many of these characters. Right. And they're just like, Oh yeah. Like you look good. Um, it, it, if avatar came out today, the way it is, it's sad, but everyone would be like, Oh, this is like, so PC. Like they're just trying to like appease everybody. It's like, no, it's reflecting human history. Like different cultures bring different styles, different values, different expectations. And it was so cool that in a children's cartoon, you could watch it face value, like, oh, cool, like an adventure. Oh, cool. They're they're fighting people with fire and air and water. But you peel back these layers, like you said, Daron, as you get older and you go, oh, like they're trying to point out like what racism looks like in this setting. What do you do when the entire Fire Nation is viewed as evil by virtue of bending fire, but you run into some Fire Nation people that aren't evil? It shatters your whole worldview as a kid, as an adult. You got kids telling adults you're wrong for having those prejudices. You expand that. And of course, it's Nickelodeon. You go, okay, I got the lesson by the end of the episode. You spend, expand that to real life. That's the value. That's like they're peeling back layers of like real world political issues, real world religious issues that is done well. And it's because they're great myths and great stories that – you know, stand the test of time. The other piece I know we're talking about book one is like somewhere in like the halfway point of book one, when it was airing, they like took some polls of like the average viewership age. And they realized that the viewership, they were designing this for a younger audience. It was like all mid to late teens that were tuning in week to week. And that's why when you get to the second half of book one, which is all about water. And then you look at season two or book two earth, the tone shifts dramatically. Like this, the the two part season finale of season one, it's like, dang, this got dark. Like, and the cinematography gets crazy. It goes black and white for one point. Like, it's crazy, and it's because like they're doing so much with this story that it, it's really amazing to me that Nickelodeon allowed it to happen. Like, nothing against Nickelodeon, but like Cartoon Network. If, if it weren't for Avatar, I would choose Cartoon Network every time. But they were doing some interesting things. Yeah, no, that's 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 a great point that you pick up about just like the tonal shift because I feel like Avatar does get a bad rep for being a Nickelodeon piece of IP, unfortunately. Um, and with that, of course, like you said, Mike, there is a 
tendency for them to kind of go back to their Nickelodeon roots and kind of like hammer you over the head with like, you know, what what there needs to be a lesson learned for for the audience that they were targeting. Right. Um, but at the same time, like you said, you know, they, they touch on a lot of serious issues and a lot of dark things. Um, I think it's just, you know, coming off the heels of us reviewing something like Yu Yu Hakusho, we just even though there's violence in this, there's not that like gore or like, you know, people breaking bones and like, you know, people being dismembered and stuff like that in this show. Right. Which I don't think necessarily this show needs that to be better for whatever reason. Cause I mean, you look at the cast, it's, it's about a 12 year old who's been told that he's the avatar that he's the savior of the world. And then he goes into hiding essentially for a hundred years. Right. So of course he's not going to have the same like outlook as like a use K or anyone in you Yu show because their, their worlds are just different. Even though the fire nation is shown time over time, over time that they're brutal and ruthless and will pretty much kill anyone. We're still dealing with like a bunch of kids and like preteens and teenagers, right? So like, it's not it. it I, I feel like, and to your point again, like the animation in this show is top notch. Like as far as like the like the fight scenes and everything like that. Like if I mean you you could put you could put the 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 fight scenes from this show up against any anime. As far as just like hand to hand, kind of like fluidity um, of of just the fights, it, I mean, it's 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 up there with the best of them. Right, we're in twenty twenty three, right? May of twenty twenty three. So Fast Ten is coming out, Fast and Furious, and there's this meme trend of like, what was the point in the Fast and Furious franchise when you gave up on it? And it's all the ridiculous. Oh, when Vin Diesel stomped the parking garage and it fell apart. When Vin Diesel jumps across a, a highway, catches someone. When The Rock grabs a chain, throws it to the helicopter, pulls the whole thing. It's like they had no. They, they don't care in the Fast and Furious franchise about physics, about reality, about any of those things. They're just trying to entertain you. The creators of the show really wanted to make this as rooted in reality as possible and to pay homage to these great traditions that they're pulling from because it's two white guys, frankly, right? Making a show about a lot of Asian culture and they don't want it to just be, oh yeah, we love Jackie Chan movies because like, let's make it as arbitrary as we can. They're like, no, like let's try to highlight some of the differences in these different cultural styles of life. You're talking about like Yu Yu Hakusho, which I love, uh, Team Karama all day. Stay in your place, PA stands. But <laughs> as we think about that, uh, there is a, a debate. I know our mutual friend Nigel would talk about this too. Like Martin Scorsese, people love him, people hate him, but he talks about like the difference in movies of like showing versus telling, right? Like how much do you need to say something? It, like if you have to overtly write everything in the script to be said out loud, like it's not great storytelling necessarily. And now I, I love anime fight scenes as much as the next person. I, I'm I'm right there with you about Yu Hakusho with like broken bones and it's just brutal. You got people dying, coming back to life, you know, all this stuff. Don't don't get it twisted though. Episode three of this children's show, they recap what is it? Oh yeah, a mass genocide of the entire Air Nation. Like they're pointing back to World War II. Fire Nation says, listen, we are the superior race. We're going to kill the rest of you. We're going to go nation by nation and knock you out. And you got this kid come to terms with that as a 10-year-old? Like, that's crazy. And that was Eric. That was daytime television. We're just like, wow, that's crazy. 
Well, anyways, it went over like, your head. It went way over your head. Yeah, and like just about that, even her friends were like, "Yo, the older friends were like, yeah, we're gonna hide from Aang. We're gonna hide it. Like we're playing a little game. We're just having fun." And then he realizes, like, "Yo, the Fire Nations actually came here. Like everyone's body, they're gone." And this is Nickelodeon. So when I rewatch this, I'm like, "Yo, they put this on like TV. Like we talk about TV now, but that was on TV then, <laughs> and they did this. That's crazy." But it is elite fight scenes elite storytelling i would almost argue if i'm gonna have somebody always talk all the time they never watched anime before which anime should they watch first this might be on the list yeah this may be on the list of like yo watch this first and see if you like it but i want to ask both you guys a question and you mentioned mike how the character ang was not your favorite at first prince who is your favorite character in season book one and mike what is who is your favorite character um that's a good question. Um, well, I hadn't thought about this. Um, I would probably say if I had to pick one, and maybe yeah. this is partially because of what happens in book two and book three, I might have to go with Prince Zuko as my favorite. Just because, and I was watching this this week, the episode The Storm, um, where it's kind of, it's showing you that Zuko and Aang are two sides of the same coin, right? They're giving you um, a look into both of their histories about like how they came to be who they are at the beginning of the story. Um, and again, little stuff like that, you're getting a, you're getting a lot of exposition about what, like, all you talked about, Mike, about like like the Fire Nation going like pretty much full blown Nazi, right? What would a prince who grew up in that society, a society that's been at war for a hundred years, right? You got to remember that no one living right now has ever seen the Avatar. So anything that they know is just folk tales, right? From their great, great grandmothers, great, great grandfathers, bedtime stories, right? So like, I think the reason why I like Prince Zuko so much is, is because you see where like a, someone who's supposed to be the prince, who's supposed to be the heir to the throne, who's going to, you know, usher in, you know, the next era of Fire Nation dominance and to see him mature and wise up, much thanks to, of course, um, Uncle Iroh. But like to see his character arc, I think Zuko might have one of the best character arcs in all of anime. I mean, we're, we're like when we're talking about someone who is objectively a villain when you first meet him and then someone that you root for later on i don't mean an anti-hero i mean someone who was a full-blown villain when you first meet him and then by the end of the story you are 100 rooting for him i mean the only other person i can think of that has a character arc that has this much of a turn is jamie lannister And I'll, you guys can do with that information what you will, but I'll leave it there. Go ahead, Duran. Go ahead, Duran. Nah, go ahead, Mike. I want to your favorite character. One of your favorite characters. I mean, it, 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 you know, it's difficult. Yeah, I'm over here. I'm Team Avid. Anyone that's not Katara, I mean, is probably my favorite character in this show. But I think season one, I won't give it to Iroh because Iroh is almost universally beloved right like it's almost yeah it's like, everybody oh, everybody love loves Iroh. like even atheists would be like yeah he was a nice guy right like so it's so i'm gonna go with Sokka, and the reason being 
is Sokka is not a bender. He's super snarky. But Sokka, like, all right, I do agree. Zuko, when it comes to character development, all the way there. Again, early 2000s. So some of this is like maybe missed, but like, think about the Kyoshi Warriors, right? I love that. First of all, Suki, queen. But like, Sokka walks in. He's like, oh, I ain't going to fight these girls. Show him up. Smack this man around. Throw him in the dress and garb. And Sokka, by the end, is like, yo, these women are legit. You see Sokka develop not only in season one, but all the way through. And, yo, Sokka is the man. Like, he ends up with the princess at the end. Like, what's going on? And Zuko has the best line in season three. We won't get there. But, I mean, come on. Like, relationship advice from Zuko is pretty spectacular in season three. But Sokka, between not being a bender, being the older brother, being, like, left alone as the leader of the tribe, but as a teenager, like... There's so many tensions wrapped up in his character that continue on. And again, like what makes Avatar so interesting to me as a story is that anime, as we talk about, and you guys have done a number of anime on your podcast, something like Yu Yu Hakusho, it's rated for teens and up, right? You look at Game of Thrones, that's that's 17 and up, right? Like the themes that they hit, like they hit overtly because we are adults in the real world. We know these themes. They're gross. They're terrible. It's injustice. Avatar is weaving these things together for children and they impacted me as a child and they're impacting me as an adult. And like, as a, you know, of course, there's something about Aang, like, okay, he's the main character. He's the Avatar. He's got all these powers and I value that. And like there's stuff later in season three in particular with Aang that I think is really relatable. I don't like many main characters in anime only because there's a trope of like, I'm goofy and I'm dumb and I'm not going to get serious. Like my favorite anime of all time is that way. It's hard for me to warm up. I mean, like Naruto is exhausting. You you wait forever for this guy to stop going, no, oh, I'll believe it. And it's like, no, Naruto turns out legit, but it takes a long time to get there. You're really trusting the supporting cast in Naruto to carry it. One Piece, I love One Piece, but it takes a long time for you to warm up to an idiot leading the group. Goku, like, all right, uh, let's make a bet. You can blow up Earth or fight me. Like, I mean, it just get to a point where, like, you're tired of people acting stupid. Right. But, I mean, wait, wait gotta go with I have to, I gotta, I gotta... In all that, I heard, you know, your favorite anime is like that. Now I have to ask, what's your favorite anime? It's got to be One Piece. It's not even a question. And the only way I get around that, the only way I get around that, I will be honest, is that Avatar is is my first love. But I, I, this is the only time that I'll say Avatar is not an anime is that if you make me choose a favorite anime, in which case I will say it's it's got an asterisk, you know, no, 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 no. We're not no. doing that here. We're not doing that in this podcast. Listen, You're going to ask the question. Listen. They're all anime. What is your Do you favorite want the anime? truth? Do you want yes. the truth? Yes. You can't handle the truth. I don't know what to say to you, okay? Listen. I want you to you tell us your favorite. you said I was favorite. on a desert island, but listen. Oh, oh you know what? All I other things answer. aside. Avatar is my favorite anime. Okay, there you go. Avatar is my favorite there anime. There you go. My favorite story is One Piece. If you want to have a debate, I don't want to listen, have a debate. It's because about the One anime Piece. has trashed it, the anime pacing is horrible in One Piece. If you're going to get into One Piece, you should read it, not watch it. You heard it here first. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna. But, like I said, I'm not going to get into it about One Piece. I've I've made my thoughts about One Piece known on the podcast on many occasion. <laughs> I, 
I I don't dislike One Piece. I just, frankly, I don't have the time. Fair enough. That's that's just me. If you uh, read it, not, you'll find the time. But we don't. Let's let's not get off. Yeah, I don't, don't want to get off topic. Oh, I don't want to get off topic. Oh my gosh, this is funny. Yeah. This is so so funny. So Duran, who's your favorite oh. character? This isn't a group text. You can't ask the question and not answer. One hundred percent. Tell him again, Mike. <laughs> what? What is this? You were no. You, you I do for answer that. the questions. They're notorious for that. How? Because you'll always come into the group chat. We were talking about this just before we went live. You always go in a group chat and you'll throw, you'll drop a little bomb and then you'll just disappear Mm -hmm. and let us fucking fight over it. That's my sorry. I had to go to work. This is a good conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Answer the question, Deron. Who's your favorite character? Go ahead. From season one. Um... It's gotta be It's gotta be on. But if you're not gonna pick on because Universal, everybody loves them, I may surprise you. It's actually Aang, and the reason why it's actually Aang is because like I'm not sure which episode it was. Um, when they had both villages, that was a mis- misunderstanding about what happened with the overall the orb, and they were told two different stories. And you saw him take a leadership role, like, "Oh, listen, we're not done with this. I need to get somewhere and actually learn something, and you guys are messing it up." So you actually saw him grow. And the episode of, hey, you guys go over here, you guys go over here, we're going to split up. And I'm like, okay, my man stepped up and doing what he got to do. Versus everyone else is like, they don't realize it, they're following him. Everyone's following his words and his leadership. Yes, he's still an idiot, I understand the trope. But this whole Naruto comment you made, by the way, I reject that. We're not even going to talk about that. Naruto <laughs> is the GOAT. But as far as this particular season, I appreciate Aang because of knowing that even when he was trying to seek to go into the spirit and actually understand, hey... I have responsibility. People are dying. What do I have to do? I have to learn these things. Yes, I'm still going to have fun. It shows you the realism as in like you're still being a kid. Everyone else was so stuck in the the gravity of what has happened in the past hundred years or their lifetime that it's hard for them to actually open up and be themselves. You saw glimpses of that, but in this particular season, you saw a real person and what they would do in a situation like that. They're still going to be themselves, but they also had to learn and grow. So outside of Unk, I'm going to say Yang. So this is not a group chat. I will answer the question, fools. I'm not throwing shade because I know Prince and I agree on this too. Is yeah. that you often choose, you're like, wait, wait, who does everybody like? All right, I'm going to pick this other character. <laughs> What's everyone's favorite episode? I'm going to pick that one. Now let the record show IMDb says that that episode, season one, episode 11, is the lowest ranked episode in season one. It's a 6.1. <laughs> so it's Duran's character to pick that. Now, I do love that episode. Though. And, and it's an interesting thing, not to spoil anything about Attack on Titan, but the fundamental question of that episode, which is deep for a children's show. Yes. So the, the situation is, in the end, like these two clans remember history differently. Oh, mm-hmm. you wronged us. No, you wronged us first. Oh, uh, and in the end, Aang's like, no, I remember. It, this is what happened. You're both right. And then they get along. And they're like, wow, Aang, that was so smart. He's like, I made that up just to fix the problem. This is the deep question, again, answered in anime, but is tackled in Attack on Titan. At what point? I mean, you go to biblical stories, you go to Attack on Titan, you go to all of human history. How far back do you have to go to stop fighting the, the fights of your ancestors? Like, at what point are you going to stop relitigating something from a thousand years ago, 10,000 years ago? And Aang comes in like, oh, everyone was right. And you're like, oh, okay, well, let's move on. And it's like, at a certain point, you got to let go of the pain that is plaguing you. And it's like, well, dang. All right. 
So I'm interested that that's your favorite episode, Duran. Did you look up the the episode ratings on IMDb? Is that what no, you did? No, I did not, you jerk. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> and I, I, really I want to see the reference of this because I feel like you're full. Of, I can't say the words I want to say right now. I just want to. I know how you are, so Mister want to stir the pot all the time. So I gotta see that. You guys don't have to know how um, he is, Duran. He just proved. Like in real time, why you are the way you are, and gave you a specific example. Like as soon as he brought up the 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 episode rating, I was like, "Of course, of course, this is Duran's favorite episode. Of course, it is." <laughs> we heard you say on the on the pod the other week what your favorite part of Yu Yu Hakusho was. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying that I didn't even know it was a rating. I really didn't. I'm talking about far as like this consequences and life lessons like it's real let's be honest a lot of things you can say that are in anime or whatever you do in the reality world uh, from game of thrones to anything you decide to venture off in the realism is so important because it actually pulls you in to realize like hey this can really happen and that was the perfect episode for me to feel like yo this is legit because you see like you said mike you see people going through with their ancestors and actually having so much this there's so much carry and like weight that they don't let go. And then you see it pass on and pass on and pass on. And for this to be inside of a Nickelodeon show, like of all shows, not some studio that made it on the side. Like it's, this is Nickelodeon. Like we're not thinking of this for that. And we're talking about how it could be arguably top 10 anime of all time. Like that's what it is. And like, I would, I just value and appreciate this so much more as being a grown man. Yeah. No. And, and, you know, to piggyback on that, I think, you know, talking about, dealing with this you know tension between these two clans because they they got their history wrong remember this is a world that's been at war for at least the last hundred years right mm-hmm. so like I, I I love that the the natural flow of the show because the avatar and his friends are on the run and they have to go from from town to town um you know nation to nation that you're getting different perspectives of a bunch of different people who have lived in nothing but a warlike atmosphere for a hundred years. Right. And, mm-hmm. and again, it's on Nickelodeon, but th- th- that's a heavy, serious issue for kids to, to, to be exposed to, right. It's not just, we're the good guys. They're the bad guys. We're just going to, you know, have a fight for a couple of episodes and whoever wins at the end wins. It's like, no, like how do people like, like you, you see how in response, how some, corners of the earth kingdom and like the water kingdom have gotten a little bit more militaristic as a response to the fire nations actions right like you look at um like mike you touched on it earlier about like Sokka being like the leader of his tribe even though he's like what 14 maybe at most at the beginning of the story because all their fathers went off to war and a lot of them are never going to come home, right? So it's just like, that's a real thing that, like, he's had to deal with and why he always puts on this, like, you know, super macho persona, like nothing bothers him and he's, you know, just whatever because he has to be. He he can't, he, he he's never been afforded the luxury of showing any kind of, you know, frailty because he's now, he's now the man at 14 years old. You know what I mean, and and I, and I think that 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 can, that is is very well delivered, like throughout book one and like the rest of the series as well, of just like how you know the 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 younger guard kind of pushing out the 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 old guard, you know what I mean, so to speak, and 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 trying to, I guess, 
not make the same mistakes that their forebears made. Can we talk about how Sokka's a genius? Yeah, and like we're talking he about is balloon? he is a genius tactician. I mean that that is his. Can we talk about the that's, balloon. Can we talk that's about the his thing though? I mean, like we talk about him not being able to bend, but I mean he's he's still an adequate hand to hand fighter. Um, you know, with swords and, and clubs and weapons and everything like that. But really, it, the the biggest benefit to having Sokka on your team is his brain. Even though he comes off as kind of uh, as kind of an idiot, he's when push comes to shove, like. He's he is your your tactician on your team. He's the guy that's going to tell you where to go. He's going, you know what I mean. He's going, he's going to call full timeout. We got we got sixty seconds to draw up a play, and it's going to work. It sounds like you're saying that tacticians are actually more valuable in a squad. No, oh, no, we can move on. We can move on. Um, I think it depends. I think it. I think it depends. I think it depends. I think like the 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 strengths and weaknesses of Team Avatar are yes. are very well balanced, right? Like, yeah, Ang is not yeah. a thinker. He's an improviser, right? And that and that and that goes naturally. I feel like with right. his style of airbending because it's 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 not as forceful as like earthbending or firebending. It's very like air air bending and water bending are I feel like are very similar in that regard where it's not um I feel like they're never really on the attack they're always about like turning their enemy's energy back onto themselves right not like we're cut like air benders and water benders are not they're not the people who are gonna make the first blow you know what I mean so like ang is right. always just like I feel like just kind of getting by by the skin of his teeth and that's where like someone like Sokka can come in and be like, hey, instead of just going in there and just being like, fuck it, let's see what happens. How about we actually drop a plan? Do you know what I mean? And that that lends again to Sokka not being able to bend because he's just like, I can't just yeah. go in there and just wing it because I'll get bodied. So, Mike, how did you feel about how the season was? You said the pacing increased already the viewership and seeing what's happening yeah. and the writers realize they have a golden mission going on. They have a, they're sitting on gold right now. So towards the end of the season, you see how the pace is picking up and then you see how it's like, yo, this is mm-hmm. not the same tone as the first episode. how do you feel how it concluded? And then looking forward to season two. Okay. Just honorable mentions. I mean, first of all, you get the spirit world part one, part two, that's, I'm not like an encyclopedia. I've got the tab open here. So episode eight is when you see like Avatar Roku show up and all this talking. But then you get the uh, the storm gives you the dramatic backstory for Aang. You're like, oh, dang, that's crazy. You get Zuko showing up as a blue spirit in episode 13. That's crazy. Some awesome moments there. And then you got the deserter fire uh, nation guy um, le- leading everybody. But those final two episodes – tug on so many emotions. So there's this minor romance plot that kind of becomes major, but kind of minor. But again, we're talking about uh, going back like 10 minutes. Like you got the, these young kids teaching the old guard how to lead, like not to be overly in your head about like doing the right thing. It's about listening to like what the needs of the people are. Right. Like Sokka gets on the scene. He's trying to say, like, you guys are 100 years late on what fire tribe people look like, uh, fire nation people look like and the, the uniforms you use. They wouldn't listen. So he had to take matters into his own hand. You've got Zuko who's attacking people. And yet you're kind of rooting for him because you've got this backstory for him now. Like 
what would you do if you were raised, like you said, in a nation that told you these other people are inferior? If you're raised by a father that treated you like you were dirt, that abused you, all these things, all you want is that love and support. It's like hitting you from every angle. You're like, then you got Katara. Once again, like if you're checking boxes in 2023, you're like, man, they're catering to all these audiences. It's like, no, like this is a natural waterbender that shows up and is showing up this water bending master and it's fire dude in the most punny way ever it's like she shows up on the scene and she's like this is ridiculous i'm gonna show you something you got ang going like full like ape mode like going into the water beast we don't even know what that is i mean it goes crazy but then the cinematography if you can use that word with animation like if someone else can correct me but when uh zhao kills the the, the spirits uh, in the water and the whole, like the moon spirit. And then it goes black and white. I remember watching that. I didn't watch Avatar until I was in college. I remember watching that. Wow. And I was just like glued to the screen. And I was like, this is crazy. Cause then the water bending and the fire bending were the only things lighting up the screen. So it's not just like, Oh, the story just went on like, you know, hundred percent crazy mode. It's like, the animation was crazy. Like the, the tension was building in such a way. You got Zuko and then you had Iroh. We got Un coming in going, Zuko, you never think about this stuff. What is wrong with you? And you're like, I felt like I was getting yelled at. I'm like, what do I not think about? It's like, this is hitting me in ways that for one piece, it takes 40 episodes to get to. It took Avatar 20 episodes. You got to keep that in the back of your mind. Now, if you're reading the manga, it's different, but I'm just saying like the, the culmination of season one, like, there's so much meeting at that. And you go, yo, this is serious. This is legit. And then as an adult, you're going, this is not a children's show. Like, and that's the thing with great stories. You can watch a great story, a movie that you watch. Like there are movies you liked as a kid that you might like for nostalgia. But then there's movies you watch again that you liked as a kid that are objectively still that great. Avatar is one of those things. Like a lot of anime is drawn, written, and shot as something for teenagers, and it can stand the test of time. This is written, and it's as applicable now as it was then. Oh, dude, it's so solid. And it just gets better. It gets better. Season two, season three, like, come on. Yeah, no, I, come I, on. I, I, I'd agree. I think, you know, you're, what you're saying about, like, how season one wraps up, I feel like they do a great job, better than most from a storytelling perspective, when they're upping the stakes in this show right like at the beginning you know you have a couple of episodes where you're kind of figuring stuff out but again they they are dropping in the oh by the way 100 years ago there was a mass genocide he's this guy is literally the only person of his kind left right um to the end like you said just the cinematography of just everything going black and white and i i got the same feeling you did like the, my first time watching that was just like oh shit this is real this is Oh, they're getting serious. Okay, this is getting really dark, right? And we don't get a lot of that, right, in in a show produced by Nickelodeon. That's just kind of par for the course. But I feel like when they do do it, they they know when to give us the really the really serious moments and when to give us you know some of the sillier kind of you know play up laughs kind of moments as well too. I think I think they have a very very good balance there. Um, for a show I feel like doesn't get as much credit because it came on a, a network like Nickelodeon. Like, I feel like, to your point, Mike, if this was on, like, 
Toonami, if Cartoon Network had produced this or Adult Swim had produced this, I do think, even if it was the same exact product, I do think it would have been received better because it would have had that kind of Toonami aesthetic behind it, right? This one has a Nickelodeon aesthetic behind it, right? So naturally people are going to be like, oh, well, this is, you know, this is for kids. You know what I mean? Well, technically all anime, well, not, I'm not going to say all anime, but most anime is for kids. That doesn't mean that it can't have very serious issues and very serious moments where you'd be like, ooh, shit, I feel kind of dirty, like, watching this. This is, this got, this got kind of dark. I I was um kind of going to go against you real quick, Prince. I personally feel that now I'm listening to everybody's, like, speaking about this and rewatching it. I think this anime would only work on Nickelodeon. I don't think it would work on Tsunami. Because of Nickelodeon, you had to have the moments of being, of having Aang and Sokka being, like, the moments of being dumb, fun idiots, but also, like, having, like, the punchlines in the entire story. Basically being the Cassidy of actual battle rap. Like, you have to have, have that. You need that. Because if you go back to even, like, the Earthbenders were in prison. We haven't talked about that yet. They actually had them, like, their fathers were in prison when they had to actually bring the coal up, actually use that, and they were still scared to even use it. Their spirits were so defeated, and over years of years of being like, this is all I am. The fire lords are above us. We're down here. So just having that inside of a show, you got to have those moments of being like, hey, funny, goofy things that Nickelodeon brings to the table. Because if you had a straight serious mode of this, this show would be kind of depressing. <laughs> first season, like showing all the highlights of how much a war can take toll on the entire world. Everywhere they went, there was a problem. Even the freedom fighters, we even talked about that. Like everywhere they went, there was something going on where they had to do and protect and serve. So you had to have the funny moments into it. And this was, this may be like one of the most complete first seasons of an anime that I can like even like think about. Like seriously, having to like not having a downfall, it just kept progressively getting better and better. So I actually, this is I'm looking forward to rewatching season two now. This is this is pretty the cool. blessing and curse of of Avatar and shows like it is the episodic nature, right? So because it was like a week to week daytime television show, you don't want to give it too much of it. I don't know too much of a break, but like you you get that setting of again, One Piece is easy in this way, right? When it's a big arc. It's okay if everything's not resolved by the end of one episode, right? Because it's adapting a written medium to screen. So like it might take four episodes for one thing to get concluded. Avatar, they had to start an idea, develop it, and end it at every episode. So like you can pick any episode to watch and within two minutes, you know all the important characters. There's a new problem introduced, but there's this undergirding current carrying the big picture stuff about the show you could pick avatar up in season three and there's just enough flashbacks just enough context that you're like okay and now they're undercover fire nation and that kind of gives you the vibe of like a disney or nickelodeon type show um but it also lends itself to like again like we've talked about like the first half of season one leaned into that really heavy the second half of season one really leaned in the other direction of like, here are some of the big picture things we're developing. And by the time season two hits, it it's always at the forefront. Every minor story flows into the bigger story. You mentioned the Freedom Fighters. And one of the coolest things about that to me, because I hate the Freedom Fighters, actually. But <laughs> Wait, what you they hate, represent you hate is... 
Yeah, dude. Come oh, on. Oh, come right. on. I like. Wait, wait, wait. I will say. I will say. I like. Nobody this, hates Jet. Whatever. Yeah, Katara didn't hate Jet. I mean, <laughs> he just he reminds me of every like sixteen year old boy that like first went to the gym. You know, like yeah. oh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he's just like, oh yeah, dude. Like I'm masculine. Like all right, bro, stop chewing on straw and like <laughs> try to kill some people. But even in that episode. Sokka is raised with the question of do we help this old Fire Nation guy or not? You know? And uh the freedom fighters are interesting that way. Like, and you got Katara fangirling. I mean And that's the cool thing about this, because like the Freedom Fighters play later on in seasons. It's just like little like Easter eggs in every single episode that you wouldn't realize until you watch the complete story of what's gonna happen. And then seeing that these are young, these are not grown old men. These are young teenagers making these decisions about, hey, let's fill the springs up and let's have this massive plan to go and get a counterattack. What? Why are you a child thinking of that? But then you see Aang over here goofing around. So it tells you, like, when you grow up in an environment, it can create a monster or create someone that's actually well kind and actually an angel. So it's really cool. Yeah, Yeah, like to that point, it's like another one of those serious things that they drop on kids with episodes like that, yeah. because it's like, okay, the fire nation, they're objectively the bad guys. Right. And they're, they're objectively the antagonists. Right. But then you have these freedom fighters that you sympathize with, right. Because of what the fire nation did to them, but then they turn around and like you said, Sokka and his team, they have to weigh this on their moral conscience. Like, okay, are we really going to flood this entire Valley and kill all these people just because they're, they happen to have been born in a fire nation. Again, that is as kids. As kids. And and again, like that, that's the thing that I feel like is thrust on the audience about an aspect of war that is not like this is a level of nuance that you don't generally see in shows like this, right? Because it's very much just like a mustache twirling villain and the good beyond a reasonable doubt protagonist. Right? And episodes like this even like the exiled um firebending master like not not everyone who was born in a fire nation is a bad person and there's going to be some people who have been you know oppressed by the fire nation to your point deron that a hundred years of war have turned these people into the worst version of themselves like i Absolutely. like the, does jet and the freedom fighters do they mean well are the, does Aang and his team have the same end goal that they have? Absolutely, right? They both want mm-hmm. to get up from underneath of Fire Nation control that the world's been suffering for for 400 years. But the way they go about it is different. And I think that's something that is that I, I felt was a very mature thing to put into this story for kids because it's just like, this isn't just a me versus you bad guy and whoever wins we win the day. Yay. It's just like, no, sometimes there's going to be factions within people on your own side that you're going to have to, you know, reel in from, from, from being too extreme. You don't want to become the thing that you hate that you're fighting against. I'm about to say something that is, I'm about to say this. If you were to watch Avatar right now, Side by side versus some of the classics that everyone loves the anime. Episode by episode. Not arcs, just one for one. 
And Mike, you mentioned the pacing, the conclusion start, start and finish versus the pacing of one that can be like five or six episodes. Most people would probably like Avatar's pacing more than a Naruto, more than a One Piece. And me being a Naruto and you being One Piece, like you, if you had sat someone down right now who never watched any of them, told them to watch 10 episodes of all three of these shows, I have a strong feeling they're going to put Avatar among all of them and want to keep on watching it. And that tells you how strong writing, plot, story, the characters, the world building, everything about this is what we love as fans of anime and also storytelling. And it makes you like just, I can't wait till we talk about book two. Like, I just can't wait for this moment to realize, like, yo, that's what book one meant. It was plotting for this. And now just seeing the characters go to the next level and just seeing how expressive they are going to be. This is, I, this might be top five, bro. Like, well, you, I'll say, break this down. I agree with you. Well, I mean, absolutely, it should be in everyone's top five. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> if you want to be wrong, that's okay. But when you talk about, like, being able to put it up one for one, it is tough, though, right? Because Naruto... Yeah. Yeah, I love Naruto. I'm not. I'm. I'm saying Naruto in the beginning was annoying to me, but he becomes amazing because yeah, you get to I, see him grow. It's a character development thing. I think that's significant. But that's kind of like putting Game of Thrones next to a three season show. There are a lot of people that watch six episodes of Game of Thrones and go, "There are way too many characters, way too many things. Like this is too much." But if you finish Game of Thrones, you go, there's not enough time. We need more books. We need everything, right? And so when you talk to One Piece fanatics, you go, a thousand chapters. We need a thousand more. You're like, you guys need to touch grass. But when you're really in a good story, what makes it compelling is those deep questions. The Freedom Fighters is cool because one of the fundamental questions of human existence is, do the ends justify the means? You know the right answer is no. And yet every part of human history does the opposite. Right. And so who are we to prescribe how other people should react to tragedy? Hey, I know this went wrong for you, but like, you know, the right thing to do is, well, that's assuming a lot about the people you're talking to. And so when Aang and the crew get up to the scene, it's like you get to see the freedom fighters. They're living, doing the best they can. They're fighting against injustice the best that they can. You know, and in the end, this is this is my favorite part of Aang's trajectory. Spoiler alert, turn off the podcast. But season three, he's got his identity as an airbender. And then his identity as the avatar. And everyone's on the same page. You've got to kill this guy. And he says, my identity as an airbender says, I can't kill this guy. And he has to come to terms with that reality. And in fact, the other avatars he talks to is like, kill this guy. Like, what are you doing? Like, it's not a question. You need to set yourself aside for the sake of the, the, the greater good. And in the end, now, of course, this is like a writing cheat code. It's like, I'm going to do something in between. I'll take away your bending, which is kind of legit. It, it, it was kind of like a, you know, an ass pull in one sense, but in another way, it worked out really well. I think, I think that was like, probably worse for the Fire Lord to not be able to bend for the rest of his yeah, life than to it, actually Exactly. Die. Right. It, it was like the Avatar's version of deplatforming. You know, like it's yeah. like, all right, <laughs> now you don't have the power to do all of the hateful things you want to do. So in the end, he, he, but it, it didn't cheapen him wrestling with the tension. It yes. looked like, and, and in the end, like th that scene is just amazing for so many reasons, but he's almost overtaken in the end by like the, the evil. And so like the tensions in the show, in the show and throughout the seasons is wrestling with like, everyone's got a different angle on what it means to do the right thing in this situation. And you can empathize with all of them. 
You've got the antagonist's son saying, kill that mofo. You've got the love interest saying, kill that mofo. You got everybody like, and, and you've got to take that seriously. But it's set up in season one in this really like lighthearted, goofy way. You've got like Smellerby, you know, from the Freedom Fighters. You're like, why is this a character? Yeah. But it's to show that the war impacts everybody, you know, like, yes. you know, we're uh, yeah, so many thoughts, so many thoughts. That's why we're going to have season season two. We definitely want to talk about it, break it down. This is this has been amazing. This has been amazing. talk. yeah, I, I was going to say we, we could talk about this fun. for hours, dude. I, I'm I'm so excited now to like rewatch book two, um, and like get introduced yes. to Toph. We haven't even we haven't even gotten to Toph yet, and she's like one of my favorite. How is she not in season one? Yeah, how is she not in hey, season man. one? But again, like, great writing, yep. great writing to introduce a completely new character and have her become like a core member of the team moving forward. Like it's just I think again we talked about it before, just the the overall pacing of the show where they choose to put certain things, how quickly they choose to, you know, escalate either um, tension, stakes, all these things. I think, I mean, the when you go back and read it, or read it and, and, and like watch it again, you really get to see how much care the creators took to really cultivating every tiny little detail, both in their story and their world, world building. It, it comes together like such a complete little perfect puzzle that, like writing wise, it really doesn't have a whole lot of flaws, honestly. It doesn't. It doesn't. Like fans, if you guys love Avatar, go ahead, Mike. I was gonna say the key undergirding all that, I meant to say this earlier, to every good anime is the soundtrack. The OSTs on this show, they tug at your heartstrings in ways, man. Like they set the tone. And it, this guy, Jeremy Zuckerman, like he He's a great musician. Like he's got respect outside of like Avatar, and they brought this guy on. They're like, we want real music, and that sets the tone for all of those things we're talking about. Like we didn't even talk about some of the great writing for the characters in the show that don't talk. They're animals. You got a flying bison and a freaking lemur, and we're like, they're showing emotion. It's like, come on, man. Like, ah, oh, it's so good. You just gotta, you gotta lean in. Yeah, you got to. If you have not watched this, it's on Netflix right now. Please go check it out. Um, Mike, you have the books too, don't you? Yeah, so the comic books came out after the show, like long after the show ended, because they were originally going to keep going. And then Nickelodeon and them had some beef after the movie, you know, M. Night Shyamalan, get out of here. We don't like you. We don't stand you here. <laughs> Um, and then they had the sequel series, Legend of Korra. A lot of people hate on it, but it's just because they're not enlightened. Um, and then the comics came out that pick up right after book three. And now they're going to animate some of the comic story lore uh, with the new Avatar Studios. So speaking of which, legit. Mike, as an avid Avatar fan, how do you feel about this live action TV series they're putting together? I felt amazing about it until the showrunners left the show again. Yeah. So with the movie, they were they were producers and M. Night Shyamalan went, we don't need your help. And they're like, no, you're kind of messing this up. And they're like, we didn't ask. Nickelodeon kind of gave them all the rights, like the, the movie studio, nothing to the showrunners. Netflix said it would be different and the same thing started happening. And they went, you know what? We've been through this before. You guys do you. We're out. 
And now they, that, but then they started Avatar Studios and they're going to do these animated projects. I will say there is a glimmer of hope in me because they have taken this project seriously and to make it uh, a series rather than just one shot movies. We're talking about a TV show that had 21 episodes in the first season they tried to do in one movie. I mean, how do you do that well? And spe- this is the whole debate about live action. A lot of anime, you're doing elemental stuff. Look at the MCU. Like, what phase are we on? Four or five? Mm-hmm. If you cheap out on CGI, it ruins a product forever. Like, and when you're doing something as heavy CGI as something like Avatar would have to be, yeah, it's pretty rare for it to go well. So I am uh, uh, cynically hopeful, we'll say. That's my official status. Uh, I have zero expectations of it, but... I think it could turn out okay. Yeah, I mean, and anime adaptions have not um, been received. They don't have a great track record, let's just say that. Looking at you, Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, trash. Am I the only person that does not like Cowboy Bebop? Like the anime or live action? Yes. Yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. You're alone. Soundtrack. Come on, man. Soundtrack's yeah. decent. It's cool. Yeah. I still don't understand wait, wait, how, fans, you know, how you don't like their podcast. podcast. Yeah, the crazy thing is, Duran says this stuff on like a live recording, bro. This is in history. Yeah. Aliens are gonna come to Earth a hundred years from now and be like, "Yo, that guy Duran, he said he didn't like the Cowboy Bebop soundtrack." What a loser! <laughs> that guy I'm sorry. Likes I don't episode six point nine of Avatar. <laughs> you, you you enjoyed this episode. But thank you. You enjoyed it. But anyway, um, guys, comment below. Let us know how you feel about things. If you want us to, uh, if we missed anything, there's so much to this actual season one. The more you talk about it, realize this is it's deep. So when we get ready for book two, that'll be really soon. And that's going to be fun. Yeah. Mike, hopefully you can come back for that. That'll be freaking awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, Mike, it's been a pleasure, man, having you on. We're definitely going to have you back for book two. I can't wait to get you back and, um, and, and talk more. Because I feel like as good as book one is, it's objectively the least memorable of the series. It, it only it only goes up this, from here. It's the tip of the iceberg. Yep. Oh my! You God. can take that to the bank, baby. It, o- it only goes up from here, man. So, uh, Mike, we appreciate you, man. Love you. Hope hope to see you back for book two. Um, Duran, it's a pleasure as always, and uh, we'll catch you guys on the always. next one. Peace.